stranger in the seat opposite me, just to confuse me. But one thing is the same, which is that we have some clear head beer. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. For ease our way me. into this podcast. So cheers. Cheers. So a very comfy seat. You're in the comfy seat. Well, I know someone who's been warming that seat up over the last year. So here we are in episode 51, and we have a new person, obviously me, and you're not really a guest per se. Now you're part of the Will Meadow team. I am, yeah. So I believe um, this is week eight. Two months. So there we go. Yeah. Still here. So I'm still here, yeah. So this is the the hills yet. coming out to the world, really, then, isn't it? We've got Andy now on our team. Everybody, this is Andy. Andy joined us eight weeks ago. He's our creative director. And I managed to twist his arm yesterday because Richard's down in Oxford today. So come on then, you can um, do a podcast with me. There we go, I'm here. And so. I bribed you with um, half a can of beer. Yeah. So <laughs> which has got an alcohol in it. Yeah, it's the season for goodwill and all that. Well, it's getting so Christmas. Yeah, so I thought we'd <laughs> do that. So welcome to your first podcast. Thanks for having me. This is episode 51. Isn't it? We're now in the second half of our centenary. It's quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, so 2024, is that start of season two officially? Or? I think we're going to start season two, yeah. Bit of a... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what our viewers and listeners can notice if we do it a bit differently. We'll see how it goes. All right, well, we better start today's podcast then. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SME Growth Podcast, episode 51, no less, from Wellmeadow here in the West Midlands. I'm Dave Parry and with me today for the first time ever, his podcast debut with Wellmeadow and the SME Growth Podcast is Andy Hodnett. Hi Andy. Thanks for having me here today, Dave. I'm looking forward to it. So officially my, my debut. Have you done other podcasts before or is this your worldwide debut? Well, I'm, I'm going to actually... Um, sort of confess that I'm not really a podcast enthusiast, to be fair, so this might yeah, change This me. could well yeah. bring you in as a listener, as well as now a, um, a producer, what would you call us? Are we presenters? I don't know, maybe, whatever we are, we're waffling honourers. Anyway, that's what we do in our podcast. So every week we try and come up with subjects of general interest to companies who are looking to grow their businesses, and not just steadily, you know, a couple of percent, we're talking about those businesses that want to double the size of their business in a few years. So if you're one of those owners or managers in one of those businesses, or you know someone who is, then you've come to the right place. Now today, we're going to cover a bit of business news. It's, a bit, it's just come out, so we'll cover a bit of that. <clears throat> and then the subject for today is going to be about branding. And I know this is something that is very close to your heart, Andy. Most definitely, yeah. So in the, in the question of sport parlance, you're playing home on this one. This yes. is definitely your specialist subject. It certainly is, yeah. Rather than playing away. So, looking forward to um, having a bit of a chat about that. So, we'll come back to that in a minute. So, let me just round up a bit of business news first in our new format where we're trying to do a bit of that. So, one thing that's hit the news today on the day of recording is the latest growth figures have just come out for October, come out this morning, and it surprised the markets and the forecasters because there's a bit of a drop. So, 0.3% drop in October following a small rise in September. So I think it's bouncing around a bit. What, what does amuse me is how the journalists all cling on to these numbers and pretend to have some sort of sagely insight. And they write this really in-depth article, oh, this means that and this means that. And I don't think they've got any more clue than you. So I, I seem to remember this uh, same story more or less this time last year as we approached the new year. So um, It's probably the one of those like the um, NHS waiting lists going up or something. You know, I bet if you're a journalist, you've got a good stock of... of articles that you almost keep calendarized keep in a little folder by month and here we go so sure enough 0.3 percent 
drop and everybody's talking about the R word and are we going to go into a recession or not? And I think we mentioned this last week in the podcast. I think that's overblown. You know, going around the companies that we work with, I think it's still a certain amount of optimism around. Companies, SMEs, and, and also if you you know walk down the high street, most evenings, um, you know, as, as we mentioned in terms of uh, this being more of a home uh, fixture for myself, um, I like to pop up to Liverpool every now and again. Yeah. And always hustling, We've bustling. just lost half the listeners. Yeah, there we go. Apologies <laughs> there. there you know. um, but um, yeah, restaurants seem to be booming and you can't get places. So yeah, in terms of the, the R word, um, I think it's just as you say, one of those things that journalists like to bring out every now and again. Yeah, it sells papers, I suppose. I also read a headline in one of the SME websites that some, it, you know, the way they word it is, it's a good insight actually of how journalists draw you in on a headline, which then disappoints when you read the article. But it says businesses um, get up to 90% of their annual revenue in the Christmas season. Now, you know what that means is they found one business which gets 90% of their revenue, and that's the up to covered for, and the rest is just a bit of a skewing, you know, busy time of year. So you'd expect a little bit of that, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, but as we reported last week, um, Germany were in negative territory as well. Remember, we were talking, weren't we, about uh, exports and imports being down quite a lot. So, it all, you know, it's all driven by the world economy and lots of things. But I think, generally speaking, our clients optimistic. We've got a good few meetings going at the moment, actually. Yeah. With yeah, I think very yeah, um, lots lined up, lots already bubbling along. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm most definitely looking forward to 2024 and what that brings. So, um, yeah, um, and. Um, yeah, and the, the challenges that are there will, you know. Uh, ah, there's always challenges there, aren't there? Yeah. But maybe it's self-selecting group, but we certainly have quite a few companies that we deal with that are looking at growing pain, the challenges of growth rather than the opposite. You know, the recruitment problems we've talked about before, maybe financing and funding, that's part of it. Uh, even around the, the marketing side that we help them with on, on the leads, you know, it's competitive market. So that's all that. Uh, the other thing that I found in the news, now this may have escaped your attention, <clears throat> and what was bizarre about it is that the story is about the Federation of Small Businesses, the FSB, and they are in the news, but the news of them isn't on their website. Now, they've missed a trick there, haven't they? You know, they've got this weekly newsletter thing on their website, and they haven't got today's news in which they are yeah. the key player because they have issued a super complaint to the Financial Conduct Authority. Now, that's a pretty major thing to do on behalf of all small businesses. And they're complaining about the harsh lending practices of banks where they get business owners to sign up to um, personal guarantees. And then they hold them over a barrel with it. Now, you know, that's a good thing. I've seen, seen that not being received very well and I, I know lots of business owners that have had to sign up to personal guarantees it's a horrible thing you know you've got to go home and talk around the kitchen table with family the spouse anyway and are we prepared to do this pretty horrible thing so i you know i applaud them for giving it a go but the almost the side story of it was i went straight to the fsb website to read more about it and they haven't got it on there i thought what a great chance for them to have got some amazing traffic and kept me on the website so if anybody from the fsb is listening give us a ring <laughs> we'll help you sort out how you do your um your website unless it was intentional but yeah maybe well it's got me talking about them that's an interesting point was it a bluff <laughs> or a double bluff so that's all we're going to do this week on business news um because we want to spend a bit of time talking about branding don't we guidelines brand book um, brand Bible. Well, yeah, yeah now that's the, the first time we met. You really got my interest going on this one 
because you'd said, oh, we need to, you know, refresh. I'm coming along to well, I don't we'll redo the brand guidelines. And I, and I wonder if I had a typical reaction to that that some of our business owners, mm. clients might have. Yeah, yeah, sure, we, we need to do that. You're right, that's the right thing to do. I want to make sure everybody knows which colours and fonts to use and how our logo is used and all that. And that was kind of how far I thought maybe mm. brand guidelines went. It was a very practical, you know, statement of how we should do stuff. But then when you showed me what you did, it was quite a lot bigger than that. In fact, a lot bigger than that. So tell me about some of the other things. Yeah, well, I think um, yeah, th there's a lot more to it, as you've already said. And I think, um, you know, it, it goes down to uh, you know, how the company talks, not necessarily how, you know, how the logo looks, the colours, etc. So the tone of voice, um, mission statements, um, something that can bring everybody you know, all the way down to the shop floor, not necessarily management, onto the you know, same way of thinking. Um, and, you know, that, with that as well, consistency will roll through um, templates, letterheads, you know, even vans, say if you've got a, a company van. Um, but the tone of voice and the way that that's built is intentional. Um, you know, there's research and analytics that go into it mm -hmm. um, just to, just to you know, build that out and, and make sure that everybody's following the same. Yeah, same I suppose way. the bit about the, the letterheads, the business cards, the van signage, <clears throat> I, I kind of... That was how I understood yeah. it before. The bit about the tone of voice in a broader sense, rather than the, the metaphorical sense of, you know, how does it look? The actual words we use, and that's where you got me thinking, you know, how do we as a company respond to the question, what do you do? Or how do we capitalise our name? Or even what gets me sometimes, and it shouldn't, but you just need an answer, are we plural or singular? You know, organisations have lots of people in them, so when you write it, it's tem tempting to put them in the plural. But the organisation itself is a singular. And I don't think it really matters whether you go for one school or the other, but be consistent. So things like that, you know, do we capitalise a name? If it's, depending what type of name you've got, is it one word, is it two words, you capitalise both. And then that question of what do we do? You want everybody in the organisation, if ever they're asked in the pub or in front of a customer at an exhibition stand, what do your company do then? Wouldn't it be great if they all said the same thing? Yeah, I suppose it's almost being proud to sit in the pub Say if you, you know if you wear a uniform or you know obviously we're, we're more business attire here, but uh, to actually be proud to have the you know, your badge, your logo yeah. on on your top, your hoodie or whatever it might be, a bit of merch, and um, you actually be proud to to actually sit there and and and, and show that off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a, it is an interesting one, but I think with brand consistency, um, it almost it, it brings a competitive advantage as well um, against your competitors. Mm. So just making sure that, um, you know, as I've already mentioned, all the way through all of your materials, um, that you know, you're, you're convincing, you're, you know, you, you actually care, you're trustworthy um, and reliable in that sense as well. Yeah, now, I, when you told me that, I, once again, instinctively, it's got to be a benefit. Yeah, surely brand consistency is a thing. But I think most business owners regard that as almost a bit of housekeeping that the marketing department does. Just make sure everybody's got their company PowerPoint presentation templates at the ready and that the business cards have all been pretty well, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. But you took that to another level and showed me some research where it's been shown that it's got an actual bottom line effect, yeah, exactly. which I you know, I would have thought that's quite surprising to prove, but someone has. Yeah, I um, just coming across some research recently from um, Lucid Press, who also known as Mark now, um, and they stated on there that um, revenues could increase ten to twenty percent, roughly, uh, if the um, brand consistency is done you know, properly and thro throughout. Um, and that's some research that they did across different mm -hmm. companies, either with or without. Yes, 
brain mm. consistent messaging. Yeah, I think also with that, um, it just when you are looking at putting more content out there, which I think again in recent years companies are doing a lot more. I think it's roughly eighty percent of companies are eighty percent. Sorry, is, is, of um, content is being pushed more. Um, so at the same time, all those elements, whether it's video, social media, um, ebooks, advertising in general, if the dots don't join together, all um, you know that sort of uh, affects that as well and uh, so it's to something this is a project we had earlier in the year or late summer <coughs> and we had to produce an awful lot of content quite tight deadlines team pull around great effort by all involved uh, but it's where you had to leverage the content production across a broader team and without this sort of very strong voice this tone this not just you know mm. let's say colors fonts that sort of thing but there's a lot more to it than that how does this company talk you know, do we have a professional? Are we cheeky, chappy? Are we what, what's the style? And without that, how do you get lots of people to all write content yeah. and it make it look as if it's coming exactly. from the same company? It also helps the approval process as well. Um, so when you receive a brief from a client, you know they might ha if they've got just a brand guide of you know this is my logo, this is the font, mm -hmm. these are some colours we use, these are some shapes. When it actually comes down to actually putting that together in something meaningful, if there isn't actually that initial outlay um, it becomes a bit you know, where, where do we go with this where do we start with this um, and if it's all there in black and white or, you know full color and it's various colors um, yes. yeah um, you can make a start on that project move it forward and then the, you've already ticked the boxes with the, the customer and it's, it just speeds that up as well in the, in the end and it went um we found that because we had some quite a lot of video content as well as written and imagery content still imagery that that was yet another example of where the brand guidelines have to get that bit more expansive than I would have imagined before. So even things like on a video and you have uh, the bottom thirds as they call it or the, the title of somebody, the name and someone coming in, there's a million and one different ways of doing that and you don't want every video to look different. So if you have the company logo presented, a certain, where does it animate, does it come in or not? If you have someone's name, is it all caps? Is it you know, on the left, on the right, is it underlined? Do you have the title underneath it? it? All these sort of subtleties that to your average viewer, if it's done well, it's invisible because it's just done so well. But you realise only when you haven't got these guidelines that you end up having loads and loads of revisions back to forwards because no one's actually written down how should this look. Yeah, so I think it's yeah, de definitely key. And um, I think uh, f you know, for ourselves moving forward, um, which um, you know we're, we're currently looking at and... Uh, new clients future clients if they haven't got a brand book or brand guidelines it's most definitely something that we'd you know be, be very much interested in looking at as well um parallel with the content creation yeah well i think just more than very much interested in we'd probably build it in anyway as part of the standard process because without it it hampers us as a partner as an outside partner and actually it's not just because we're outside even internally without it yeah. you could have different people creating content and it would just look all over the place exactly um and i think at the moment that the, the trends with branding in general um tends to have be a, uh, a digital first approach so before COVID actually happened, the sort of big players out there like Google, eBay, etc., they'd already seen this coming. So they refined everything. So a lot of the fuss that used to be associated with logos and branding, maybe 10 years ago or so, they sort of stripped right back. So You mean fussiness in terms of yeah, the look of a logo? Yeah, look of the logo, so drop shadows, sort of you know, that sort of glossy effect, that bevel and, and yeah. boss thing that people used to do years ago. Strip right back very bold very clear very concise so that when you're on your phone again mobile first approach as well um 
the the, the design, the the way you read through the the content, it's a lot easier, a lot cleaner. Um, and again, um, going back to the branding, it's just easier to be associated with rather than anything a bit too fussy. And um, to the point where people are actually redesigning the logos or simplifying maybe yeah. the logos. So rather than a big sort of flourish on it or yeah. whatever. That's quite interesting, isn't it? So there's that. And why did you say that was around COVID then? What was the link as to well, why I think, that triggered it? Yeah, so what happened over COVID, obviously a lot of people were sitting at home, working from home. Mm. Um, I think Netflix was one of the most used apps at the time. And um, the, the, the big players out there just started to you know, mm. redefine where they were. All their, their, their target audience, their, their customers were very different. They'd moved forward. And I think that's the way you know we are at the moment. And it's going to continue to go that way. Um, Funny, isn't it? I wonder how many other unintended or, you know, slightly off the wall consequences there will have been. When we look back on this 10 years' time, say well, it was COVID that did that. You know, didn't didn't realise it at the time, yeah. but it just changed our view, like working from home we've talked about. But even such things as the simplicity of a logo design has been influenced by it. So I've been taken in by that. I, I love that. <clears throat> and you were telling me as well about some examples where you can actually see the change relatively recently. Yeah, I think I just mentioned a few of them, but um, I actually... Um, bank with Nationwide and I have done for a number of years and uh, they've actually gone to town with their rebrand and but it's actually the first time in almost 40 years so almost as old as myself and um, but they've uh, they've still kept the sort of traditional traditions in there and the fundamentals so they've still got the sort of the, the, the house sort of icon that they use traditionally but it's stripped right back it's just nationwide I think it's all lowercase now rather than an uppercase n the building society text has been dropped um, bolder colors but I think they they just again in their marketplace they're trying to look different and um, sort of again go against the bigger players mm. and, and just look more forward thinking and um, you know, refining their message their overall message to their clients um, and it's again across the board they've had a new app uh, email templates are completely different TV advertising the messaging that they're they're getting through do you think that's partly because people talk about nationwide using just that word rather than calling it the nationwide building society is it just become a name that yeah again it's just a just a stamp i suppose isn't it that 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 brand i remember a bit older than you i remember when sainsbury's wasn't called sainsbury's it was called jay sainsbury yeah. and on the front of every shop it said jay sainsbury yeah. because that was his name yeah. but everybody called it sainsbury's and then they must have made a decision at one point saying, well, come on, this is daft. Everyone calls us something else. Let's call it that. So they changed their logo to reflect what everybody's calling it. And it was a bit simpler at the time. I suppose it was a bit similar to when Facebook first came out as well. I think it was originally called The Facebook. Oh, was it? I and didn't it, know that. Yeah, yeah, The Facebook. So they were advised um, just to drop the the. And Facebook as a statement is just, just you know, a bit, bit more powerful and you know a, a statement rather than well I, you know i had to think of that the other day because we've taken the momentous decision of giving this podcast its own website <laughs> which it's got it's grown up it's now become a thing and i had to decide on domain names do i go for the sme growth podcast yeah. or just sme growth podcast so i went for the one without the, the. so you dropped it there you go shorter the better influence without even knowing about it yeah <laughs> see i must be just following the trend so that's that's interesting then just in terms of how companies are taking that digital first approach to everything from their logo but i like the fact that 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 simplicity of that messaging as well that's got to be right yeah. and i was doing some research around the link between messaging and branding and, and how you do research and i found you know regular listeners will know that we love reading the harvard business review so if you if you don't ever subscribe to it then at least you can get the highlights of it here you know you can save yourself yeah. a few hundred quid a year because it's not a, it's not a cheap magazine it's a great thing <clears throat> and they've done some research recently 
And would you believe these data sets that they get access to? Mm. But there's actually a thing, you're probably aware of this, there's actually a thing called the World Advertising Research Council. I mean, if there wasn't ever one of them, you'd have to sit one up on you just because that sounds a great idea. And they do this competition every year where advertisers can submit their campaigns for an award. But to win the award, they have to fill out a big form and they have to include in it all the impacts they've got, both measurable and less measurable, of how did their campaign go. So did they increase sales or increase brand awareness or change consumer behaviour or whatever it may be. And so they got this sort of scale of, you know, mildly didn't do not, not bad or right up to, you know, major epoch-defining stuff, um, whatever, just do it. And, you know, those sort of the big things. And what they then analysed, all the campaigns, they had over 2,000 campaigns to look at just over the last four or five years because they'd all been entered into this competition. And they analysed them for the brand messaging as to whether it implied a promise. That's interesting. I've never really thought about a brand being a promise. A brand stands for something. It stands for your values. But I suppose I'd always taken values as a more sort of esoteric thing. You know, we've got values of integrity, reliability, creativity, and getting stuff done excellently. There are values. And if we could embody that somehow in our brand, that's what we stand for. But we don't make a promise. What we do do now, and you've helped us clarify this on our merch and our yes, logos, we are now out as your growth partner. I was just about to come on to that, yeah. There you go. That's our promise to you. That's <laughs> our, well, it, it sort of is, isn't it? Although they, I think, interesting to think about that. Is that an implicit promise with your brand partner as opposed to a more explicit promise, which is we're the people that double your business? That's a promise, right? That's, that's that'd be bold. Everybody wants to hear that. Yeah, well, that's right. But that... And we were having some chats about this internally, and we're thinking maybe that's more reflective of how we think, even if we've never really said that. We can be your growth partner, but if by growth you mean a few percent a year, that's not, not what, really what we mean by growth. So maybe we're thinking about different things. So if we could embody that sort of promise. Anyway, back to the story. They did all this research, did loads of research on the 2000 campaign, and they found this remarkably stark difference in the stats but only for the more impactful campaigns. So if something did okay, improved market share a bit, you know, did, did whatever, improved a bit of brand knowledge, then actually they found the difference between those campaigns that made a promise and those that didn't was, yeah, close it. Still, yeah. the ones that made a promise were a bit better, but, you know, okay. But the ones that really made a difference, really changed consumer behaviours, were a massive difference between those campaigns that made a promise and those that didn't. And I thought that's it's the first time I've ever had that concept, been aware of that concept. Because I think Snickers, um, they've, they've changed their uh, messaging quite a few times o over the years. But I think you're, you're not you when you're hungry was their most recent one. So, uh, you know, as soon as your stomach's starting to growl when you're sort of out on the you're road hungry, or whatever it might yeah. be, you get start mm. getting hungry. I think, actually, yeah, I'm going to grab a Snicker. That'll sort me out. And, uh, and so there we go. So that's it. Uh, or a marathon, as that's yeah, old, old timers might yes. call it. Yeah. I think back in the day. Yeah. But that is a promise. You know, they're saying, have a Snickers, you'll be back to feeling you again yeah. if you were feeling off because you were hungry. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, have a Coke, have a smile on. These things imply there is a definite, tangible consequence of you consuming our product or taking advantage of our service. Yeah, interesting. So, and that's, as always with these things, the examples relate to really big companies. And our challenge is to translate it to something relevant to, to SMEs, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But that would be really fascinating now to go around the various clients that we know and companies that are their competitors maybe and say, which who's making the promises really? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's food for thought.
on, um, it is. on the sticker there. Yeah, I like we're doing that. <laughs> yeah, good. So what else could we talk about on uh, on branding then? What's the what's the trends, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, as we approach the end of another year, um, just sort of looking around, see what, um, you know, again, the, the sort of uh, larger companies, PLCs are doing, and even the sort of design houses that are out there. And I think a, a lot of it's going to be more sort of impactful typography next year um, and trying to be a bit different in that respect. So um, maybe, again, adding a different promise to you know, to, 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 to um, what the uh, consumers and clients expect you know, to see. What do you think the, the, pro- the promise or the... A subtitle, if you like, to the logo is that often the the tagline or the slogan? Yeah, the slogan, so you don't have to change tagline. the actual logo. No, no, I think, and then uh, depending on what the use is, uh, they could be seen together. But again, that goes back on the brand guidelines in terms of mm. you know what what the limitations are or, or what you can do and what you can't do. Um, it's almost yeah it, that sort of secondary message, whether it's in the footer, um, on the back of a hoodie or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it has to have that clear relationship look on look. As uh, you know, as a brother or sister partner to the uh, to the logo, um, and um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that so helps hang it trends, all together. Do you think it's okay then for a company to tinker with its logo, or are you almost undermining the values within it because it's if it's changing too frequently? Yeah, I, I think it, again, it it moves with sort of fashions and trends, I suppose, in terms of the, the logo itself. Mm. Um, but sometimes, you know, a, a refresh can do it. You know, dr- dropping a icon that might be with it or secondary text that maybe describes the company, but not necessarily as a slogan. So you wouldn't necessarily advocate wholesale change where the thing is becoming unrecognisable from what it was before. So references to what it was, yeah, but iteration. Yeah, I think with with eBay and Google, uh, I mentioned earlier, they're quite bright, fun yeah. brands. Everybody knows them, of course, and uses them. But when they they rebranded, they literally kept the colours. So you subliminally, you, you know, you, you recognise that. Mm. Um, but the font was completely different. Right. Um, but side by side you'd look at them and say oh actually yeah these are different but on its own and as it's new to the market so to speak um you instantly recognize it so you would say that larger companies best practice is to gradually evolve their logo but not in a way that scares the horses so maybe even the apple logo Mm -hmm. looks like it's been that general shape for a long time but actually subtly the use of colors it used to be a rainbowy color yeah it is yeah monochrome and it's subtly you did the store yeah and I think that used to have more of a glossy look as well. Um, so right. maybe yeah, ten, fifteen years ago, and now it's yeah, it's just sold. Yeah, exactly. No, no frills, I suppose. So. Yeah, well, that's the digital yeah. first thing. And I was thinking when you said that, even down to the fact that on uh, browsers now you need to put up something called a favicon. People yes. may know what that is, and it's the small square shaped sort of logo that appears in the tab of the browser at the top. Well, if your logo doesn't suit that shape, it's a word, you know, like Wellmeadow, for example, yeah. you need to come up with a favicon which fits that you can see in a in a square shape that's very small. So I think because I was actually looking at that the other day because obviously Wellmeadow. Um, you know, if, we, if we're going to strip it right back, um, what do we do for the fav icon? And actually, just I think I just had a look to see what other words out there have started the W yeah. um, um, and, and brands, what are they doing? And I actually looked at Wikipedia. That was the first one that came up as I Googled, yeah. and they seem to just use the W from their logo. And But when you see it as a fav icon, you know it's the same font that Wikipedia used. Cause so you recognise it. Recognize it yeah. So the font is so important in some of those, and the colours, I suppose, around it. So you need all that. But what I was marking on, not just the fact that 
you need this digital first approach and understanding that your logo and messaging generally is going to be used in lots of different formats. So you've got to be adaptable to that. But if larger companies are just more used to the fact that their logo gradually evolves over time, almost imperceptibly, you know, you wouldn't recognize the Facebook now from what it was, you know, back then and all that. And it's changed enough over time. Most small companies don't change their logo at all, do they? It's almost a takeover or a major event that causes it. They wouldn't just think, oh, been, been a couple of years let's you know round the corner square the corners change the size change the color i think sometimes um with that there might be an anniversary maybe the company's 10 years old 15 years old or maybe if it's a family-run business the sort of the, the older statesman in the company maybe moving on there's younger people coming through then those situations maybe tend Can trigger to, it. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, it could just be something then that we should think about more often. And I would have once said, yeah, that's something the marketing department are doing to keep themselves busy. But on the back of that research you've said around brand consistency, it probably has more of an impact than those of us driving businesses give credit for. We've always, you know, we laughingly, you know, joke about those owners that regard marketing as the colouring in department. If it's not the lead gen department, then what's it for at all? Yeah. And actually, if you can link through things like brand consistency, brand free, fresh, digital first philosophies, Favicon friendly, then actually it will have an impact on your lead gen. It's not just a, you know, a for looks type of thing to do. Most definitely. Um, obviously, yeah. Firstly, make the company look professional, um, trustworthy. But as we mentioned already, in terms of creating other assets from that, it just makes life a lot easier for everybody involved, really. Um, and just helps you stand out from the crowd, but more, you know, right the way from your front page of your website all the way down to, um, you know, the entrance in your reception or, or um, you know, uh, all the way through, really. Yeah, and your hoodies, as we've, uh, yes. we've got here now. Yeah. yeah, Good. Thanks, Andy. That's no good. Worries. It's been a I'm pleasure. really enjoying um, my journey, actually, of learning more about that yes. side of life and seeing how our clients are responding to okay. what you're giving them. As I said, it's uh, week eight for myself, so I'm yeah, looking forward to having these discussions with more people moving forward. Yeah, well, welcome to the team. Thanks a lot for taking part in today's podcast. And Richard will be back. Don't worry, <clears throat> we've not done anything with him. He's still there, ready for next week's podcast. I think it's probably true to say that we'll have at least a week off over Christmas while everybody is let off, not having to tune into our podcast next Thursday between <laughs> just before Christmas or just between Christmas and New Year. And then we'll be back again in the New Year. And like you say, maybe with a bit of a refresh and rebrand perhaps in, in subtle ways. Uh, and eagle-eyed people may be able to see some logos on the signs behind us on the shelves. What was going to say, but I think Slight. if I roughly go like this, it might be, you can <laughs> Slightly see. Slightly different to where they were before. <laughs> so that's another episode of the SME Growth Podcast, and thank you very much for listening, episode 51. Every week we try and come up with some interesting topics to talk to business owners and managers about to help them in their growth plans, looking to really drive their businesses forward. And we hope that's been another interesting episode for you this week. If you think that's been good, please share it to all your friends, either by following us on the podcast platforms or drop them an email or tell them in the pub. It's good to spread the word and increase all those people that get some benefits of sharing these ideas. In the meantime, good luck with your business.